I commend you for investing in your marriage. I commend you. Uh, we've been married, my wife have been married for 37 years. Now, our friends back here in the next to last row, 54 years. We're not worthy. I'll tell you what, that's awesome. That's really a great thing. My mother and father-in-law, we're going to fly to Macon, Georgia this Thanksgiving. My wife always sees it for a week here. We're going to go out there. They're celebrating their 70th wedding anniversary. They're 89 and 90. They were married when they were 19 and 20. So uh, I figure there's some law better come out for that one, right? So uh, so I, I just appreciate longevity. I appreciate people who keep their word. And I have many friends who've gone through the tragedy of divorce. I understand that. And by the way, if that's happened in your life, today is the first day of the rest of your Christian life. Paul said, forgetting those things which are past. Looking forward to those things you before. But I, I just challenge you to keep on working and keep reading things that will help you. Uh, I encourage you to pray together. What, well, the key they had you do today, my wife and I try to pray together every night. And uh, the Bible says, let not the sun go down into your wrath. I think if you pray together, I hold her hand when we pray. The reason for that is she can't hit me that way. So uh, <laughs> I love the statement, if we don't take time to come apart, we come apart. And for my wife, I saw that a couple of streets like this, and if not, we'll just try it. I don't really just take a day after the school year. It's really busy, but I'm already planning. I already asked, when's Pastor gone on Fridays? <laughs> you know, and we'll go to a good hotel somewhere, maybe someplace we can walk on the beach. Uh, we're in Southern California, but we're not near water. People say, I thought you were near the ocean. We're like 100 miles from the ocean. I said, well, sand's everywhere, but the water has receded. You know, so we'll go somewhere we can walk on the beach. We did the last year in the spring with a Oxnard just had a wonderful time. So about nine o'clock in the morning, the pastor called me and told me he needed me. So that was a, it was a good night and a good breakfast, and then nothing came. So it was all good. But I wrote down a couple of things I thought might be a little bit humorous. I'll share some things with each of the sessions we do uh, that I hope you will enjoy and uh, maybe we can laugh together. Uh, what really, really mean when they say, you know, you ever heard me say it's a guy thing, it's a lady thing? I'll, I'll pick on the men today. When they say it's a guy thing. That means, ladies, you have as much chance of understanding this as your husband did quantum physics. Okay, so you got no clue. So your husband says, can I help you dinner? That means, why is it already on the table? Right? We know that, right? Uh, or how about this one? He says, uh-huh. Sure, honey. Yes, dear. Uh-huh. That means, can you wait till the program is over before you ask me about the grapes? All right? Uh, how about this one? When the husband says it would take too long to explain, that means I have no idea how this really works. Okay. When he says take a break, honey, that means I can't hear the game over the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> that's why we should take a break. How about this when he says, that's interesting, dear. That means are you still talking? <laughs> how about he says, it's no big deal, I just cut myself. That means I've actually severed a limb. But I will bleed to death before I get seriously hurt and need to seek immediate medical attention. Right. Or how about this one when the husband says, Hey, remember this one, ladies? I've got my reasons. That means I sure hope I think of one soon. <laughs> ladies, this is true in my house. When the husband says, I can't find it, that means it didn't fall into my outstretched hands, so I'm completely clueless. My wife's famous line is, you might have to move something to look for it, you know, so it's so much easier to have a wife come find it for us, amen? Um, when, she said, when he says, what did I do this time? That means I have no idea which of my shenanigans you have busted before. 
So if you think I'm copying a plea before you reveal which one, you are completely nuts. <laughs> How about this one? You look terrific. This is usually at the mall. That means don't try one more outfit. I'm starving. Okay, so that's what that means. How about this one? When your husband says to some friend, we share the housework. What that really means, ladies, is he makes the messes, you clean them up. Okay, that's how they <laughs> Now, ladies, you don't have to put two hands up on that one. How about this one, ladies? I know exactly where we are. <laughs> that means we are now in uncharted territory. No one will ever see us alive again. <laughs> if the man says, I'm going fishing, that means I'm going to stand by a stream with a stick in my hand all day while the fish swim by in complete safety. All right. Pastor Keeley. All right, next one. How about this one? When he says, we're going to be late. That means that's why I have an excuse to drive like a maniac. Right? Not a good excuse, man. And uh, I'm going to skip over a few of those here. But how about this? Have you ever had the silent treatment in your home? And by the way, that's not good. All right? We're going to talk about communication. I'm going to do an A, B, C, and D today, and C is communication. But I heard about husband and wife were having some troubles at home, and they just were not getting along, so they both decided to give each other the silent treatment. Well, the next week, the man realized he would need his wife to wake him up at 5 a.m. for an early flight to Sydney. Not wanting to be the first to break the silence, he wrote on a piece of paper, please wake me at 5 a.m. Next, next morning, he woke up, it was 9 a.m., and he had missed his flight. Furious, he was about to go and see why his wife did not wake him up. When he noticed a piece of paper by the bed, and said, it's 5 a.m., wake up. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to do that, okay? Nothing about that. And how many of you have been married at least 30 years, and maybe you're not quite as sharp with your memory as you used to be? Anyone like that besides me? All right, and hearing a few other things? All right. All right. Don't point at your spouse. That's not good. An elderly couple were having a meal at another elderly couple's house. The wives left the table and went into the kitchen. And the men were sitting there talking, and you know what men talk about. Men take, men take pictures and talk about food. Ladies take pictures and talk about babies. That's kind of how it works in life. Or houses, or things on Pinterest. You know, things that are of interest to them. And the two gentlemen were talking. He said, last night we went out to a new restaurant. He goes, I highly recommend it. It was awesome. I mean, you know, the perfect restaurant is where they have Great appetizer, great salad, great bread, great entree, and a great dessert. I mean, it's all good. You know, some things, you know, for example, Outback, the bread's not my favorite, but they have great steaks. But a perfect restaurant, it's all good. All right? Maybe that health food place, some of you have heard, it's called Cheesecake Factory. Okay? Uh, it's all good. <laughs> some was testifying there, so you might want to try the deep fried macaroni and cheese. Oh, my soul and body. Introduced to me by Dr. David Gibbs, of course. Okay. So, you see, the stress was so great, the guy said, what was the name of that restaurant? He thought for a moment. He thought. He said, what's the name of that flower you give to someone when you love them? Because you know, it's red. It has thorns. The guy says, do you need a rose? He said, yes, that's the one. And then he called the kitchen and said, hey, Rose, what's the name of that restaurant we ate at? <laughs> If you've reached that point, get some help, okay? We keep that in mind as well. I was told the story about a little boy who went to Sunday school, and he was 
hearing the story of creation in Genesis chapter 3 and how God made Adam go to sleep and took Adam a rib and he built Eve to be his completer. And little Johnny seemed especially interested. We told him how Eve was created of one's ribs. Later in the week, his mother noticed him he was lying down. He said, Johnny, what's the matter? He said, I have a pain in my side. He said, I think I'm going to have a wife. <laughs> so, which reminds me of another story that certainly is contiguous with that. Adam was walking around the Garden of Eden very lonely. He heard a voice say, what is wrong with you? Adam said, you didn't have anyone to talk to. And the voice said, well, I'm going to give you a companion. It's going to be a woman. He said, this woman will cook for you and wash your clothes and always agree with every decision you make. She will bury your children, never ask you to give up her more right to take care of them. She will not nag you. And will always be the first to admit she was wrong. When you've had a disagreement, she will never have a headache, and she'll freely give you love and compassion whenever needed. Adam asked, what would this woman cost me? The answer was an arm and a leg. Adam asked, what can I get for just a rib? Oh, just, just joking, ladies, just joking. We'll talk some more about that. If you have your nose turned to the A's and B's of marriage, and we're going to try to share some things that I hope will be a help and a blessing. I've been praying about this. Uh, when we travel and do this, it's serious to me. I know it costs an investment by the church. And I, quite honestly, this was a highlight to me because I wanted to see the Keeleys. They've been friends for so long, and uh, we, we truly care about them. And, but I prayed about the church service. I prayed about what would be a help to your church. And I prayed about these sessions. And it's my desire that it be a help to you. If you have your Bibles, if you turn to me the book of Romans, and by the way, Brother Keeley, I found this this week too. It's not in my notes. And I just go, sometimes things just jump out and you're going, this is Romans chapter 15. It will be in notes later on, but it's not right now. And I read these three verses. Romans chapter 15. And this is a great template for couples retreats. I'll probably do an entire lecture just for these verses. Romans 15, beginning in verse number 5. Here's what the Bible says. Now the God of patience and consolation, let's stop and say, think about those words, patience, long-suffering, not being easily offended, consolation, encouraging. Barnabas is one of my Bible characters. He was the son of consolation. He encouraged people. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded and one toward another according to Jesus Christ. That's what God wants us to do, to do towards others, to be towards others. Can I say this, friends? Of all the others we ought to show this to, we ought to be our spouse. Patience and consolation. Encouraging. You have a tough day. Ladies, you had a long, a long, hard day. I believe your husband should help you. Maybe you rub your feet, give you a back rub, whatever you like. Encourage him. You say, Ian, you've had a long, hard day. Let me take you out tonight. And then not always talk about. Okay, that's okay. I say when you have people over, it's not what you have, it's that you have them. But she deserves something nice periodically. Right? Maybe not. That you might with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, if we have patience and consolation, that glorifies God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? Verse 7. Wherefore, receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. How do you receive us? As we are. In our imperfections. He loved the unlovely. 
Ladies and gentlemen, that's how we ought to treat our spouse. That'll be a help, a blessing, it'll strengthen our marriage. No marriage is perfect, no husband is perfect, no wife is perfect. But you know what? It ought to be our goal to grow. The Bible says to grow in the nurture and advocacy of the Lord. As I read that this week, I, I marked the verse and I said, That is great. The God of patience and consolation grants you to be like minded. That's how He wants us to treat other people. Uh, we ought to be slow to wrath, long suffering, kind, forgiving. By the way, those are all Bible words. That's not part of the, the lesson today. They're Bible words. So let's talk about this. A's and B's of a good marriage. We'll do C's and D's tonight. The second law of thermodynamics, a very famous law, if you were good in science, says that anything left to itself will break down from order to disorder. By the way, you're trying to avert that by going to couples retreat. I have some books on my desk right now. One's a book on marriage. I like to go to thrift stores in the summer. It's about the only time I go because I have a little time on vacation. Uh, I check the shoes and I check the books. And that's by Southern Baptist Evangelist. I've already got some things that have helped me. Right? If you don't do anything, it falls apart. You have the best car in the world. But if you don't strike the engine up periodically, if you don't move it, the tires will get dry rot. Right? We know these things. But what you're doing now, I commend you for that. Great families require work. I even say this, great work. Work on it. I'd encourage you to have a date night. I'd encourage you to do that. It may not even be every week. It might be twice a month. But take time to come apart. And when you get to the restaurant, can I give you the greatest counsel I can give you? Turn off your phone. Look your spouse in the eye and talk to them. Talk to them. I get hundreds of emails a day, 150, 200 emails a day. I get many, many texts a day. You know my phone's at right now? Up in my room. This one thing I do. Man, I had two problems come from the time I saw you and one up there. One, a missionary called me and said, I've got to sell my house in 30 days. I've got a married student from Australia living in that house. I told him he could live there for four years. Oh, boy. I can think about that. I know student needs to go somewhere. And he went and looked and said, I can't live there. It's too filthy. Oh, boy. That happened in the 45 minutes of the time I left you the time I saw you. Problems happen in life. They just happen. Right? Take some time to come apart from your problems. I've been the vice president at West Coast for 22 years. Sometimes there's financial problems. I'm trusting 18 to 22 year olds to get a job, keep a job, and pay their bills in time, make a $10 million budget. Help us. It's, it's almost made me sick physically. Finance it. I'm not going to look at it until midterms and finals. It's God's work. He's going to have to take care of it. I, I don't check the accounts receivable until those times. I'm just not going to do it. God's going to take care of it. And then. I try to leave my college problems to the door. When I get out of my Yukon, so 211,000 miles, in the garage and park it, and get ready to go to my house, I try to leave my problems in the garage. My wife shouldn't have to bear my problems. Hey, I know this is barely one of those burdens. When it comes to kids, we'll talk about that. Our son's going to be in a few weeks. They call today. We need this. We need workers. We need service. We need an arch. You know, how do we get the fallback and all that? And they didn't want to have it at our church. Where we've been free, so they rent the place for sixteen hundred dollars, and we've got to schlep all the stuff there. <laughs> Praise the Lord! <laughs> right, forty-five miles away, Santa Clarita. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you know. See what I think about that? You got the general idea. You know what? I want to make it a great wedding for him. 
try to join. So, number one, letter A is affirmation. Affirmation. The affirming of someone. The affirming of something. What is affirmation? <laughs> Saying kind things. Showing respect. Being thankful. I'm blessed I'm married to a very good cook. You could probably tell in looking at me that I've been able to win the battle over anorexia. And... Uh, <laughs> My wife could cook. She is, I mean, she makes homemade German chocolate cakes from scratch, not from box, homemade carrot cakes from scratch, Italian cream cake. She could cook. Homemade, you know, cat's head biscuits she grew up in the South. I mean, I could knock those puppies down. I did something today I think I've done for the first time in my life. I was with the kiddies at lunch at Cracker Barrel. I think it's the first time in my life I went to Cracker Barrel and didn't eat a biscuit. And usually it's like six, you know, because like they need company. You have one, you know, they're lonely down there. So, so, She's a great cook, but maybe your wife's not a great cook. Think about things they do that they do well, right? Be affirming. Does she keep a new house? Is she encouragement to you? We have the affirm. The Bible says in Proverbs sixteen thirty one b, the sweetness of the lips increases learning. That's affirming. A man who's a pastor texted me this week. He said we had they were adopting a child. He said she lies. We can't spank her. They're not. She's not hers. So we can't spank her. And she lies like a piker. I'm not sure what a piker is, but it sounds good. She, says she lies all the time. You know, you see one of those people. You, how can you tell they're lying when they open their mouth? You know, it's just a little girl. He said, what, what do you think I should do? I said, he said we're taking away this, 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 and this, and this. It's all fine. I said, why don't you reward her when she tells the truth? Every time she does the right thing, we'll order for that. And uh, after all, the theme of the book of Deuteronomy is blessings for obedience and losses or curses for disobedience. That's God's book. That's how God works. And he goes, well, that's a good idea. It's, it's God's idea, not mine. So are we affirming? There's two attitudes. The first attitude, letter A, is honor. The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, I think I have these verses all there, don't I? In the verse, in the, Romans 12, 10, be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. And here's an amazing verse. In honor, preferring one another. My wife likes one restaurant that's not my favorite. I grew up in the restaurant industry. I worked at one restaurant for seven years. I trained cooks for Holiday Inn. She likes Arby's. That's like fake meat to me. Right? It's just not my favorite. How many of you love Arby's? Do you love Arby's? You think my wife does too. You, you, got a, you got a friend over here. There have been times when we've gone to Arby's and in and out at the same time. I got my in and out, she got her Arby's. I'll have to ask her, what would you like? Haven't done it enough. But in honor, preferring another. Honor? This is our spouse. And then I'll say this you talk about honor. Women always complain. I was doing a country for A.J. Billings at Pismo Beach like two years ago. I was down there on the electrical in the morning, and the ladies had a session. It was, we started a little bit later in the morning. And I was in there by myself, and the TV didn't work, so I said, I was just trying to get my hour in the electrical. And two ladies came in, I just knew the Lord would want me to witness to them. And so, what are you guys doing here? And I found out they were Christians. And I said, What are you doing here? So, I'm here to speak at a couple's retreat. And one lady almost like viciously said, You want to talk about submission? <laughs> I want to say that's probably something you need to hear about <laughs> I didn't say that I said well the Bible does you know, God's plan for the family is husbands love, wives submit, children obey that's in the Bible she goes I know, I know well, wow 
Maybe that's how would, no, I'll leave that alone, but you get the general idea. Uh, the Greek meaning of honor is like value your money. Men sometimes were pretty tight with their money. Ever been accused of that? This summer, we were able to spend a week on vacation with our daughter, son-in-law, both of whom traveled with the Kiva and Saratuga, but they are missionaries in Thailand with their three kids. Our only three grandkids live 8,500 miles away from us. So my wife said, we're going to do a lot of things for them. She didn't ask me all week. She just said we're going to do this. And she knows how to be real tight. She, then she said this to me. She had a whole list of things she wanted to do. We want to go to this Finland here. We want to go to this children's museum here. And they all cost money. I think the Finland for was like 170 bucks. Help us. I said, let me look through the fence and watch people having fun. And my wife said to me, she said, listen, we only see them here in the States once every two years for a short time. She says, the money will be freely flowing. And then you know what they said after this, Abby? She came to just say, FF. This is for freely flowing. FF. <laughs> it's very painful. <laughs> we did spend a lot of money on that week. And I took them to Cheesecake Factory. I took them to P.F. Chang's. We would cook steak. We would cook steaks out. First time I've ever done that in 110 degree heat in Palm Desert, you know. <laughs> Usually grow up, I said, I'm not going to buy all the steaks at Plymouth. So, but we try to treat them about the steaks at Costco, even for Costco. Uh, we try to be nice to them, and I don't regret it now. And can I say this, men and ladies both? When we do things for our spouses, we're going to look back later, and we will say, I'm glad I did. And not say, I wish I had. And I might understand this better than some, because my mom died of cancer at 59. I was teaching with a kid at that time in Tennessee, in Powell, Tennessee, at Crown College, the school I helped start. And I found out she was dying. My dad said, you're going to see your mom. You need to get home right away. And the sex was very kind about that. He said, just take as long as you need. I think I was gone a week. I flew in. I talked to her that night. She went to coma that night and never woke up again. That was on Friday. By Sunday, she passed away. Man, I wish I'd done more for my mom. By the way, she was wearing a ring when she died that my brother Tim and I bought her. I wish I'd done more for her. I wish I'd done more. My dad's very elderly. He's 89 now. I try to drive down and see him every week. It's an 80-mile drive. I don't know how long I'm going to have. I want to do what I can do while I can do it. My dad said to my mom, someday we're going to go on a cruise. Someday I'll take you here. I'll take you there. She died of cancer at 59. Never happened. I'm going to do things with my wife while I can do them. Now, be careful about that. I'm going to say this as clearly as I can. This is not a, I have a workshop for couples on finance. I'm not giving you that, but I'll say this. A credit card is a good servant and a bad master. We've been married 37 years. We have never paid interest on a credit card. It's a good servant and a bad master. If you can't pay it off that month, you shouldn't buy it. I really mean that. There may be an emergency, like an engine on a car. You've got to fix your car. So there's always exceptions to everything. But in general... People want you to get their credit card. Ladies, there's a reason why they want to give you 20% off your first purchase. Because then they got their hook in you. That's how it works. That's how it works. Again, it's a good servant, but a bad master. So be aware of that. So honor. Honor to people is like, I guess the best way to describe that is what aerodynamics is to an airplane. Aerodynamics lifts it. It's the wind under the wings. It lifts it up. 
when we honor people, it lifts them up. Don't say anything critical. I used to say this. I used to say, I'm the brain, she's the beauty. The only problem is, what does that imply about her? I do, I do, I do. <laughs> she teaches computers in our college. Hello. And somebody said that it was Dr. Sexton. He said, yeah, that's probably not the best thing to say. I've never said that publicly again. At home, I say it all the time. I'm just kidding. I was really just joking. She left. When honor is not held, we're jockeying for position. We're clamoring for control. No, the Bible says in honor, preferring one another. That's Bible. That's not me. I don't write it. I just recite it. In honor, preferring one another. What would you like to do? What can I do for you? You're tired. Let me step in. Would you like to know the worst thing I ever said to my wife in 37 years of marriage? This has been about 33 years ago. Amy was about two, and Lisa was just born. Actually, they were 18 months apart. She was nursing Lisa in our bed. Now, I will tell you that she was not working outside the home at that time. Of course, she was working at home with two little babies like that. And I was working about three jobs to help us to survive. And then Amy started crying. So she's nursing the baby, the 18-month-year-old screaming and crying. I got up on one elbow and said, Amy, be quiet. We know we'll be with you in just a minute. <laughs> Would you like to know what my wife said to me? Three words. You are unbelievable. I got the hit. I got up and helped the baby. All right. That wasn't an honor preferring one another. How hard would it be to go take care of her five months? I learned an important lesson that time. Right. In honor. In honor. If she's expecting, it's a good time to vacuum the floors, help with the dishes. Hey, get off your feet. She's tired, etc., etc., etc. The Bible says that husbands are to honor their wives. First Peter chapter three verse seven says, "Likewise, you husbands dwell on them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as in the weaker vessel. Giving honor to the wife as a weaker vessel." Now, I mean, there's some strong women out there. Serena Williams is like one of the greatest athletes of all time. You know, I don't think I'd have to help her physically very much. Right? But in most cases, the wife is physically weaker than the husband. Give honors to the weaker vessel. Then the Bible says wives are to honor their husbands. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, Ephesians 5, 22 and 23, as unto the Lord. Now, if the Lord came and asked us to do something, we'd jump to it. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. Can I just say this very carefully? This is not a matter of worth. It's a matter of order. Anything with two heads will not work. I know you can see the Whippies Believe It or Not Museum, right? But none of us want to have a kid with two heads. Am I right? It doesn't work very often when churches have co-pastors. There has to be a senior pastor. Or as we say, the buck stops here. Am I right? We know that. It's got to be that way to family. Now, once in a while, sad, leave the husband's God for it. The lady should have the family devotions. The lady should take the spiritual lead if he's not there. But this is God's plan. So wives are to submit. And then children are to honor their parents. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Don't let them be disrespectful to you. Don't let them be in a situation where they are doing the wrong thing. They're not honoring you. They're not obeying. Years ago, when Mark was maybe six or seven, 
I'd come home from work in the early days at West Coast, and I'd be tired after a long day. I usually try to come about, usually about 7.15 in the morning, come home about 6 o'clock at night. Boy, it just feels good to sit in that recliner. And usually I'd get a big glass of iced tea, and I had a huge mug that held like 32 ounces. And I'd ask Mark, I'd say, Mark, bring me the newspapers. I used to get the USA Today, LA Times, and Alabama Press. Now we have the USA Today on the phone. We get that in the Sunday paper, that's it. Mark quickly figured out that every time I would call him when I got home, I had something for him to do. And one time I said, Mark, I heard, <laughs> so like you heard of that thing over there a little while ago. I said, Mark, <laughs> So what in the world? I got up one the other room, there was Mark like this, God. <laughs> you know what he said? I can't hear you. That was the last time he ever did that. Um, <laughs> but I wonder how many times we're doing that to our spouse. I really need your help with this. I really need you to take care of this. In honor, we're going to try to take care of it. Uh, we're going to try to put it to the top of the list. There's one person I work for, his name is Pastor Paul Chapel, that if he has to do something, it goes to the top of the list. I don't think Dr. Getch hardly ever asked me to do anything other than preach at chapel once or twice a semester. If he asked me to do something, He's six years older than me. He's executive vice president. I'm going to do it. All right. Can I say this with our spouse? It should go to the top of the list. Well, I want to do this. Well, I plan to do this. No, it should go to the top of the list. That's giving honor. Little B is hope. Hope. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Are not even ye the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ is coming? For ye are our glory and hope. Can I tell you, friends, today, hope looks for the good in people instead of harping on what's wrong. We all have our imperfections and impurities. It's not an egregious sin. Let's overlook that. You know, uh, let's go past that. They don't need do this. I don't really like it a lot. You know what? We're all different. We're all wired differently. Does your husband still like to have books around? Oh, yeah. My wife once said, when we run out of food, we can eat the books. Right? And she's patient with me with books. She tries to keep them in a few separate places because our bookcases in the living room are full. Our bookcase in the bedroom is full. Our bookcase in the garage is full. We actually have boxes in the workout room full of books, like six of them. I said, I'm going to get rid of these books. I, started, I got through one box and only found two books I want to get rid of. These are books I bought at thrift stores I want to read. She's patient. She's patient. Long-suffering. So do I. Hope looks for the good. Hope is not conditional. We have hope because we love them. Secondly, number two, we got to seek to have balance. Balance in our marriage. Can I tell you a little secret about balance? It's a constant rebalancing act of marriage. I've kind of watched with wonder these people who go watch across, walk across the high wire. You see the guy come here who goes walk, walk across the Niagara Falls? One did it with a cable on his foot so he fell, he was still safe. But one did it with no cable. They have a big, long, weighted pole. And what they do is they just do constant corrections all the time. Not big swimming corrections, they fall off. You heard of the Walinda family, very famous family of high wire walkers. They're constantly making minor corrections. Can I say this? 
We need to do this in our family, in our home. What little improvement can we do? How can we make things a little better? How can we help in this situation? We gotta think about that. So family life is not easy. Uh, when a family is sort of like your tires, if they're out of balance, you have a rough ride. I think all of us men know what that's like. And I get these tires balanced. Right, we got to take care of it. Sometimes they have put little metal weights inside of them to bring them back into balance. Sometimes we don't have to carry a little weight to put things back in balance. God will be pleased with that. Well, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we must remember our roots and our responsibilities. Our roots and responsibilities. I've got to be rooted above all things with my wife. I want to do things that will ensure our marriage. I want to be careful about anything that might attack or destroy or hurt our marriage. I've told you for years, I said, my goal is 50 years of ministry and 50 years of marriage. This is my 40th year of ministry and my 38th year of marriage now. And one day she said, what are you going to do with me when we hit 50? I said, we'll keep going. We're willing. But we really look at the, the Bible says, consider the end of a thing. If you want it to last, you have to take care of certain things. Do we not know if we want our car to last? We better change the oil. Right? Periodically, once every 50,000, 60,000 miles, you're supposed to change the transmission fluid. That's so easy to forget. It's not on the sticker in the window. Well, I've learned to do that, though, because I have new transmission in a, in a Navy I had back in the day. And that was expensive. It was a couple thousand dollars. To get the transmission oil change is very cheap. It's like 80 or $90. Dollars. Doomkoff, me. Right? So the same thing is true in our marriage. What little things do we need to do that would be the lubrication in our marriage? That would keep things going smoothly, not rough. We ought to think about that. The Bible says, Let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Jim was reading these verses, an older pastor, and he was reading about his glasses. He turned to his wife and said, This is going to be an interesting sermon because the first verse says, Replace the wife of your youth. She says, Sweetheart, you better put your glasses back on and read it again. And it says, Rejoice with the wife of thy youth. I was kind of thinking something funny about my wife and I yesterday, twice, we, one time we said something exactly at the same time. Uh, it's very expensive to park on LA Airport grounds, so we park off site. That's getting more expensive, but it's with a coupon, you can park off site for $20, $21 a day. Well, the guy who drove us from the spot on Sepulveda, to drop us off the American Airlines counter, I think he honked his horn 15 times. It was unbelievable. It reminded me of New York City. And we were almost to there, and we turned over since the same time, he loves to use his horn. We're thinking the same thing. Then, we were thinking about Chelsea, and Chelsea is the age of our youngest, and they were in the same class growing together, right? In the same class all the way through. And I was thinking about something that happened. It had to be 10, 12 years ago. And uh, maybe maybe 10 years ago. And they were playing ping pong. And my son's a really good athlete. Uh, he's only six feet tall, but he could dunk with two hands. He played four years of college basketball. He played Chelsea ping pong, and she beat him like a red-headed stepchild. <laughs> I mean, she just, and she was so happy about it. And Mark was so unhappy about it. It was hilarious. It was hilarious. Which is why Chelsea said, I could never live with him. We're too competitive, you know. But I was thinking about that, but we all thought about it the same day. That happened 10 years ago. By the way, we ought to be on the same wavelength. Not always, 
Not always. Sometimes maybe when he's not thinking about me, he doesn't care about our marriage. He's thinking about the ball game. Right? That happens. Or whatever. So maybe it's fishing or hunting or whatever his hobby is. But the Bible says that that fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Rejoice. Can I quote another verse from Philippians? Philippians chapter 4, verse number 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let's make sure some of that rejoices with our spouse. We're enjoying time together. We take time to laugh, to have a good time. That's a great thing to do. Henry Ford was asked what the secret was to his marriage. He said, the secret to my marriage is the same as building a great car. Stick with one model. For those of you who don't know about his Model T, he made the exact same car. He gradually had some improvements. You know how General Motors really started growing? They did something Henry Ford didn't do. They offered cars in different colors. The Model T only came in black. So he said, look, I've got my wife. This is it. We're going with it. And it worked for him. The word rejoice with the wife means to brighten or cheer up. Men, what can you do to brighten up the day of your life or to cheer up their day? Maybe just leave them a little note. Maybe just give him flowers. So I can't afford that. You can afford to go to Costco and get two dozen roses for $12, $13, or buy them at the grocery store. You don't have to go to the florist to pay $35 to some overpriced place. But how can you cheer up your day? How can you make it better? Um, I think as if we think about that, would it be a great thing if every day we tried to do something to cheer up our spouse? How hard is it to write a little note? Or a text or hey, I just thought about you. I love you. I miss you. I thought about you, ladies. I'm praying you have a good day at work. Pray God to give you patience working with such and such boss who might be a problem. And on it goes. How do we find ways to encourage our spouse? What it really is contentment and security. Contentment and security. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We ought to be content wherever we find ourselves. The Bible says they're with to be content. Be careful with this. I'll tell you a big problem with millennials today. They want what their parents had at 50 when they're 20. That's a problem. All right? That's not good. My parents, when they were in their mid-20s, were living in a one-bedroom house that didn't have a washer and dryer. They had one car. My mom would walk to the grocery store, a little cart. She'd carry me on the way on the way back and I'd have to walk with her. We never had that. My son's getting ready to get married, so I'm talking about buying a house. I go, Mark, when we were 25, 26, we were in a two-bedroom apartment. Wherever you find yourself, there would be content. It's so easy to gripe. Can I just say this as kindly as I can? God hates murmuring and complaining. He killed more people for murmuring and complaining in the Old Testament than he did for idolatry. He hates it. Because God's plan is that everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Let's be thankful. This has been, the kids have been very, very kind to us. We stayed in a nice hotel near the church last night and stayed here tonight. I mean, how nice is this? And only the Kiwi fully understands this. I have traveled every summer for the college. I literally leave the Saturday after graduation and I travel to the last week of July. And where we stay is not up to us. How do I say this? It's not always awesome. 
Okay, we stayed in a trailer in the summer. The summer just gave the church. And again, I'm not judging the church. The church had nine people in the service. Got two applications though. That's a win. All right, but nine people there. Pastor said, this lady, she went to a restaurant, she gave us a trailer. It was mold all the way around the thing. There's almost no carpet inside, just the plywood that you see in a, in a, in a, in a trailer. We got in there, we're going, okay. I, we had the girls, and they were, asked the boys were staying somewhere else. And so my, my wife had, had her own room, private bathroom, that type of thing. But it was, to say the least, it was very rustic. They told us, we haven't really gotten this quite ready for guests yet. No duh. Okay. <laughs> By the way, I don't allow the students to quit. You know what I say? The Apostle Paul would have loved it. Better than the jail he was ever at. Right? I mean, I was talking about the community. Not this last time, the summer before, we were fed pizza 50 times in 70 days. I know Little Caesar says hot and ready, it was cold and we weren't ready. But I wouldn't let him go. I said, be thankful. Be thankful. With my dad, I brought two pieces, that's enough. You know. So, but this place here, we're getting ready to leave the next morning. The pastor can like you know, we actually fix the breakfast, you left some things there, we're getting ready. I always make the kids strip their beds, take a little work off the, the host or hostess. And when the girls stripped their bed sheets, there were live worms under the sheet. Free protein. What are they just gonna get to choke it? Oh my so that was our worst experience this ever. You know what? Honestly, they didn't know the next morning. It's all good. It was just like a little figure massage on the shoe that you can't hit it. So, when you have something bad happen to you, we don't always stay in a courtyard or a Hyatt. You know, this guy understands. I mean, we stayed in one place, I'll just say this summer, where the roommate was $43 a night. I didn't know that was humanly possible in 2018. But it's everything you would expect from a place that was $43 a night. You have no smoking. This was like all smoking. And I tried to put towels on the door so I didn't come in and read my voice the next day. You know, oh my goodness. We were calling about our summer vacation, planning up for July and August. And they said, you know, this is a no smoking resort. I said, amen. Praise God. It makes it better for everybody. No, you're not here. By the way, I have some dear, dear men I live to Christ. And uh, faithful in church for 17 years, he hasn't been able to conquer tobacco. I'm not making fun of people. That's tough. But, you know, when you get in a hotel and that's. Everything smells like tobacco. It's a tough situation. It's all the towels, it comes in the door, you understand. So, contentment and security. How does this happen? This, if you understand what I'm about to share next few minutes, you're listening so well, we're not going to go super long. I promise you. My wife says I have a lot of words. Okay, so I've got to be real careful here. It starts off when we start dating. We first get married, we have connection. We want to talk to our spouse about everything. We're going to share everything. But then the kids grow up. Maybe the kids go away. We come in. Hi, how you doing? Good. How are you? Every day is a good day. We sit down and grab the remote. Well, I do a lot of work on my phone. I'm checking emails on my phone. I'm checking text on my phone. I'm checking Twitter on my phone. You can see it on my phone. That's why I said dinner. Put the phones away. Have a no phone zone dinner. It'll help your communication. So you have connection, trust grows, bonding grows during this, gratitude grows, respect is enriched. That's how we start. By the way, I'll give you one more thing about dating. Uh, we give people, we keep people the way we got them. And when I was dating my wife, I bought her little teddy bears, I bought her flowers, I wrote her cards and notes. 
I found out later she wasn't really into teddy bears. She said, how'd you know that? I saw that at garage sale. She was selling them all. But, um, so we haven't bought any more teddy bears for a while. She's not a real big collector. But I was thinking, man, she'd like this. I'd like to do this for her. I want to give her this. Maybe it's her favorite perfume, or maybe it's a bracelet or something. You're, so she knows you were thinking about her. And conversely, the same thing works as far as ladies. So you go from connection, but then you have conflict. Conflict. You're emotionally bonded together, but maybe there's a rip in the trust. Maybe it was a harsh word that was said. By the way, the Bible says this about our words. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. A word fitly spoken. Let's choose our words. Pray that God helps not to say things we shouldn't say. Jesus says, put a gate before my lips. How great a fire in a little member of the tongue. Kenneth. Had a lot of fires in California this year. Horrible. Horrible fires. One going on right now. Some that started by idiots. Lip flares and threw them out in the dry grass. Unbelievable. They had to go to jail for a long, 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 long time. But you know what? Sometimes we start fires with our tongue. Be careful. Well, put a beat in front of me. Help me not to say something that's mean. Cruel. Be kind. Be kind. So this conflict comes, and often it's because Often it's because we're thinking about our own needs, not in honor of preferring one another. Now, when that happens, people become resentful. They often become loud. They become argumentative. As I was talking about arguing, my parents were married for decades. I never heard them argue publicly. I know they didn't always agree. My dad was not as strict as my mom. My mom was stricter. My mom would lay down the law. My dad said, Margaret, I'd like to talk to you in the bedroom for a minute. He never corrected her in front of us. In the bedroom, they came out unified. I made a trip down to Mexico. I lived in Southern California. When guys go to Mexico, they're not going there to buy leather goods or wrought iron. They're going to buy explosives, fireworks, M80s, giant bottle rockets. They're all illegal. We try to bring those back in the States. And man, I got a whole bag of this across. And I was just so excited. I was going to resell some. Double or triple my money with my classmates and things like that. And my mom said, What'd you get? I said, I was proud of it. I said, Look at this. Look at all this stuff. She said, Isn't that illegal? I said, Well, in some people's eyes. <laughs> yeah. She took the entire bag, dumped it in the bathtub, and ran the shower on it. I did help me get all this stuff out and dry it out. <laughs> it didn't all work, but you know, it was a little very different there. You know what? They got along. In our family, if one parent said no, we went to the other parent, we automatically got a spanking. I didn't say, I don't want you guys to come between your mother and I. So we're going to be on the same team. We're going to be on the same team. There's a lot of wisdom in that. A lot of wisdom in that. So we go from connection to conflict. Now, at this point in time, you will either go back to number one, which is connection, or you will go to number three. You say, what's number three? And this, I believe, is where many marriages are in America. Calloused. Calloused. We all know what calluses are. Maybe a part of our skin gets so hard. My son plays the guitar. His fingertips are really calloused from playing on those metal strings. Right? Don't let your heart get calloused towards your spouse. Keep a tender heart. A soft heart. Right? Super important. Keep a tender heart. And a soft heart. That's when you shut down the feeding process. That's when you stop talking. 
But Rikini, before I met you, I was in a church where a husband and wife were so calloused they would be in the same room together one day a year. Christmas Day. For their kids. Of course, as soon as their kids were gone, they got divorced. They took separate vacations. They drove separate cars to church. It was a really big church. He was a deacon and song leader of the biggest Sunday school class in church. When I heard that, all I said was, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not good. That's calloused. Um, they've reverted from growing in marriage. It's when two become one. Now they've gone back to being two. My wife will like some things just because I'm interested in them. I don't usually watch much sports, so I sit in the living room, but when I exercise, I try to watch like a Dodger game. I'm a Dodger fan. I grew up in Southern California. Uh, that's when St. Louis Cardinal fans just swept us about two or three weeks ago, four straight. The reliever was unbelievable. 103 miles an hour, you know what I'm talking about? He was amazing. But going back to that situation, she's learned a little bit about that. Now, she doesn't like to go to a baseball game. It's not really to be at home. I usually time like to watch the second half of the game. It takes me 63 minutes to get electrical. That's what I'm going to do. So if I can get there about the fifth inning, I can watch the end of the game. I'm good. She's, she'll read Sports Illustrated for two reasons. To make charity pictures that are bad, number one. But then she'll read the personal interest stories. We'll share that. Right? Um, conversely, I need to talk about what she's interested in. That's where we're going with connection rather than being calloused. It's very easy to get calloused over time. Very easy. Guard against it. By the way, if you get calloused, you have to go back and settle the conflict. Is there some conflict that led you to callousness? Fix it. Let me say it this way. Have you ever gotten a splinter in your hand? What happens is, I don't know about you, I've learned if I get a splinter, the time to get it out is right then. My hand's not tender, get it needle, get it out. Because you wait three days, the whole thing was red, it's full of pus, and it's so tender to even the touch, you try to dig it out then, it's brutal. Unfortunately, that's what happens in our marriage sometimes. We're so mad about something, all it's doing is getting infected. We're not talking, it's just getting worse and worse and worse. Then you dig into it, sometimes it's more painful. So you want to take care of that right away. So that's what both partners say we're going to get back to the connection stage. And let us see love and limits. Love and limits. Let me challenge you to love irrationally. The Bible says in John 13, verse 34, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Christ's love is an amazing thing to think about. Maybe that's why God said, by this shall honor and know that you're my disciples, if you love one another. But then I'll start with my spouse. Uh, I talk about my, my wife in classes. I talk about her in my office. I'm very thankful. God was better to me than I deserved to get her. I'm, I know that. I'm blessed. And by the way, we all have to think that way. God's been good in my life. I'm grateful. So, we're not worthy of God's love. His love's irrational to love us. That you start thinking about songs. You saved a sinner like me. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. You know, I played with my wife. She could have chosen this guy, this guy, this guy, but she chose me. I'll never forget the time I drove all the way. I was teaching summer school at Howells Anderson. I drove 10 hours. I had the 4th of July off. I taught the 3rd, had me back the 5th. So I drove 10 hours down. To spend, spend basically six or seven hours with the next day to drive ten hours back to be my class the next morning. And when she looked at that window, she was so happy to see me. I'll never forget that. Thirty-eight years ago. It was special. Don't forget that. By the way, keep showing that. 
man, I'm glad I've got you. I'm thankful. Even those of us who've been married a longer time, we want to share that spirit. We'll do that. But love irrationally, we are not worthy of God's love. His love is irrational. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the great love chapter, the Bible says, Charity suffereth long. Ladies, you might have to put up with something. Maybe you might have to put up with something you don't like. How many of you men like to go shopping? I don't. I've learned a way around it. I take a book with me. I sit in the food court. Good place right there. I sit in the food court and I'll read while she shops. It's all good. We're going to buy tea together or something like that. We can be together. I'm not going to go to every store, every store, every store. All right? <laughs> You're right place to shop too, don't you? I can tell you that. I'm not like to really a big time shopper, but I found how I can make it palatable for both of us. Instead of saying, I'm not doing that. All that was hurt her. Besides, after like an hour or two, you can shut down the credit card. I'm just joking, okay. Romans chapter 5, verse 8 said this, but God commendeth his love toward us. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God commendeth his love toward us. Are we commending our love to our spouse? The author said every human being, in order to be normal, has to be loved abnormally and irrationally. Kids need the love of their parents. I think all of us here have heard about stories of parents who have locked kids in a room and treated them like animals. It's so horrible to hear that. It's so heartrending to hear that. I knew a very famous man who's in heaven now, but his son and his wife, who were very, very rich, high-profile people in the Chicago area, rich and high-profile, huge house, two boys. The wife was a lawyer. He was a college professor um, at Northwestern, which is way up there. Actually, he taught two, two colleges. They had a bad problem in their marriage. The wife left him. She went to somebody else. The guy decided he didn't want to live anymore. I never met him, but I knew his dad had been in his dad's home. His dad killed himself and killed both boys. How does that happen? How about this man about a week ago in the newspaper where his wife and two kids disappeared? He killed his wife and his member to put the boys in an oil tank or something? How does that happen? Something happened back somewhere that caused everything to go horribly, horribly wrong. You may say, well, that's a horrible illustration. We have to be very careful because Satan's a destroyer. God's a builder. He wants your homes to be happy, to be holy, and to be healthy. Pretty simple. And by the way, his way always works. This generation that we live in today, not the X generation, the Y generation, the millennial, it's been described as the O generation. Why is it called the old generation? This basic people who are in the 40s and 60s. They said they had everything on the outside and nothing in the middle. Let's make sure there's something in the middle. And by the way, I think we have to take care of our family. We have to work. A man who doesn't take care of his own family, the Bible says, is worse than an infidel. I think you've got to have a life insurance. Your wife's taking care of it. Something happens to you. etc. Et so then you may reach the point where your assets and your investments are enough to take care of her. That's fine. Uh, well, my son-in-law... My bad daughter said, you have to have insurance. You got more kids? I said, you got to get more. It's not my job to rear your kids and pay for their college. I said, well, now once they get through, my, well, my brother who's a pastor, he's down to one child, there's two years left in college. I said, you don't need as much insurance anymore. Right? And I, I try to explain that to them. But I'm responsible to take care of my family. No question about it. That's important. We got to prepare for retirement. That's Bible. A wise man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. That's important. 
Can I say this to you? How much more should we be concerned about our daily marriage? I will add this. The greatest thing you can do to hurt yourself financially, according to Ramsey and Blue and others, is to get a divorce. The greatest thing you can do to hurt yourself financially. Right? It's horrible. One of my closest friends has been divorced three times. It's an unbelievable situation, by the way. Uh, that's why you don't want an equal yoke. It's against God's word. And I can tell you a horrifying story about his life. Yeah. He said, I'd be happier with this current girlfriend, who's also been married three times, engaged fiance, and be penniless and live with this other lady. We're on the ranch. The income that year I know is in excess of $200,000. She wouldn't sleep in the same bedroom with him. She finally said, you know, your story bothers me. She said, I bought a trailer to sleep outside the house. Uh, that's a great marriage. He literally heard gunfire in the ranch when he went back there. And he was, he's a ginger. He's a redhead. There's a guy drawn in crayons with a redhead there. He said, I love you, which you'd always tell your lover. She said, shoot, take a shot at him with a pistol. And then, she found, then he found it so encouraged she took out a $500,000 life insurance policy on her husband. Wow. Wow. Hey, man, we have a lot to be thankful for. God's been good in my life. So we have a situation where this is what we need to do. Can I, chat, can I say this? Two statements, I don't know if they're the notes, but build each other up. Build each other up. Our words will either build up or they'll tear down. Our words will either build up or they will tear down. And secondly, let's make sure we are trying to have cultivation in our marriage and not condemnation. Cultivation and not condemnation. You know what happens when people cultivate a field? Things grow. Things grow. Not condemnation. Are we willing to cultivate and not condemn? Our words, folks, are so super, super important. We'll talk more about that when we get to that. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for these friends here. I thank you for their coming apart to think about what your word has to say about our marriages. I pray it be a blessing and a help tonight, tomorrow morning. I pray again for the services on Sunday. Lord, I pray that we'll take some time with our spouse tonight just to ask, is there something I need to work on? How can I improve? And not just take an attitude that it's good enough. Everything's fine. And realize that we are to grow in the nurtured admission of the Lord. We love you, Lord. I pray you'll help us to live like we love you, especially in our marriage and to those who don't know Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.